<laughs> hey everyone, welcome to Hold My Eyes Coffee. It's an exciting day. It's always an exciting day that I get to talk to you, Cindy. <laughs> that's just, <laughs> that's what or, I think. Or it's something. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. No, it's exciting. Yeah. And can I say that you have blue hair? Part of your hair is blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I, I, it's happy hair because like you wear a mask and everything's like all discouraging and stuff. And it's like, I want my hair to look happy. <laughs> it does. Oh my so God. It matches my tie dye mask that I wear when I'm out places. Cause I don't know. I just feel like people look a little depressing with mask on. And so I just wanted some, it's a, it's a aqua color, shiny Ooh. blue hair. <laughs> I absolutely love it. That's kind of your signature color. <laughs> Isn't it, it does match everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's convenient. You already have your accessories on. So that's awesome. Well, also awesome is our topic today because it's one that I have not been able to wait to talk to you about because you and I have delved into it only a little bit and we haven't really scratched the surface and you sort of teased it out there. We had it in a conversation one time and now we really get to get into it. Um, the meat and potatoes, you know, we're, we're just kind of passing over the pita chips. We're going right into it with our, we've got our big, strong, bold iced coffee in front of us. Um, we are talking about how to get off the hamster wheel of arguments fights whether it's in marriage um whether it's with a significant other whether it's in our families whether it's with a coworker, a friend how do we get off that hamster wheel of fighting when we go around again and again and again it seems with the same kind of arguments and uh cindy has talked to me a little bit about her experience with this especially in her marriage um it, it, how she has dealt with this and how she's come across. And I really think it's a concept that um, our listeners are going to really love to learn more about. So Cindy, can you tell us a little bit about your experience um, about kind of being on a hamster wheel in your marriage or in different other scenarios and how you have started your journey and your hold my iced coffee journey of getting off that hamster wheel? <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because uh, the story, my, my husband and I were so incredibly different in the way we communicate. He has a little bit of OCD and I think I have a lot of ADD. <laughs> so um, it, and he can be really, really hyper focused on things. Um, but what's funny in our communication sometimes too is how verbal I am and how he's much more thoughtful in the things he says as far as like he thinks about them uh I don't even know thoughtful is probably not the right word like precise like he wants precise communication and like sometimes I'll read something I wrote to him like I'm working on this book and I read this long passage and I'm like is that better and he's like so what I got out of it was she was sad and I'm <laughs> And I'm like, it's so emotional. And I had all this stuff in there. And he's like, <laughs> he would have probably just said, she was sad. That was a bad thing <laughs> or something. Mm. And so um, it creates this disconnect with us sometimes in how we communicate because, like, he'll say things. And I'm just like, I don't understand what you mean by that. And he's like, I mean what I said. 
<laughs> he's like, <laughs> you know, I said this, like, I don't understand what you, you know, and it's just been this like cycle. And I'm trying to think of stories that I could share that won't make, throw him on the, under the bus or share mm. something that makes this too personal that my kids would be crying like, mom, why'd you share that? <laughs> but um, so I was thinking about um, when we were, when we were first married, Brian used to tell people that he, uh, he, he would say, I married the first woman who went out with me twice. And I was like, I really wish you would quit saying that. And he's like, why? What's and he was like, he could not understand how that wasn't complimentary to me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, your standard, like, that just sounds like we're both like, so like our standards were so low, like, you know, she just go out with anybody. And that's what I was looking for. <laughs> so, um, and it, it just took a long time for me to sit down and say, see how that sounds. And he's like, uh, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> so, then, so we had some other issues that were like much deeper than that. And we just kept arguing about the same mm. thing. And honestly, for probably mm. 20 years, like we never really saw eye to eye and it would be like these hot button topics where it was just like become more and more of an issue when you don't understand me, then I, I get a little more defensive and it would just, we would just keep going round and round like that. And finally one day I was just like, you know, I just really want to quit arguing about this. And I sat down and I was like, honey, just tell me, just help me see your side of it. And mm. I'm just going to sit here. I promise I will try really hard not to respond. And I did. I, I sat there and listened and I was like, I want to understand your side and I'm going to mm. take notes. I'm going to read it back to you and I'm going to keep asking questions till I understand. And then because we communicate so differently, um, I knew he didn't want to hear me processing my response verbally. Like I, I would just talk through it and he would be like, I don't know what the point was in there. <laughs> so hmm. I said, I want you to go mow the lawn and take an hour or so. And I'm going to sit here. And I honestly drew pictures like a PowerPoint and said, here's where I'm coming from. Here's the points I want to make. And I sat and thought through them. And it all came from me just really intentionally listening to his side. And then once I understood it, I knew how to explain my side to him. And we could, even though we didn't necessarily fully agree on everything, we could start seeing each other's point of view and working towards better. And at least not arguing about that one issue. We still have plenty of things that we argue over. But but we learn, we're learning how to listen to each other more and more uh, and have that. Um, it's really hard to develop having the, um, giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yep. And this is something that we should unpack another time. But one of the things that I've realized with giving the other person the benefit of the doubt is that your initial response to something, at least this is the way it is for me. Like sometimes somebody will say something and I'm just like, boom, it makes me angry or I have a really, really strong reaction to it. And what I realized is that reaction is based on really 50 years of, of like 
emotional stuff and baggage and all kinds of things that I don't even know where to begin to sort through. But what I do know how to do is the what I do with that reaction and like the next part, like how do I speak? How do I like that part I can control? But what I the initial mm. thoughts that pop into my head, all of that stuff, I don't know that it's possible for me to, to you know, immediately just second I hear something go, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's more like I can. I can recognize the thoughts in my head or my immediate response and choose how I act after I feel that response. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but, um, it does. Because, you know, it's just, there's just things that are just like so deeply ingrained and all that. I don't, I don't know that we can ever fully control that because a lot of the things that led to it aren't even within my, you know, realm of influence is just you know like the media whatever like there's also there's so many things that contribute and it's to me it's much more freeing to just be like I can't control my initial response I can just control what I say like what comes out of my mouth you know maybe not my Mm -hmm. facial expression (laughs) like don't look at my face (laughs) give me a second (laughs) yeah exactly And you now, were you really able to sort of transform that hamster wheel argument that you'd been having for decades after you just went through this process that you just described of really deeply listening, even doing the PowerPoint? How did things change after that? I'm curious. So one of the things that we are really trying to work on is not even like just it's not really that necessary to hash up everything that we ever argued over in the past and, and come to a resolution. Cause half the time it was just cause I was tired and not me or so, I don't know. Like there's just so much mm. there. And <laughs> I don't even think that you correctly remember an argument like the next day that your, your spin on it is always that you were a lot better and the other person was a lot worse, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, like we, we can't 100% remember things correctly and so there there's this forgiveness but also just working towards what I want my future to be like I mean Mm -hmm. it's not like arguments like you know you're being mean to me you need to stop like that obviously we need would we would need to to hash out like some bigger issue but those little issues like like just keep coming up like where you're nagging each other and stuff um sometimes it's just like, and I guess it's because I'm 52, but I sometimes you just let it go. Um, because the more important thing is the future that you want to build together. Um, and what you want, like, what do you want your relationship to look like moving forward? Um, and I, I just want to be careful and say, you know, I'm not talking about ignoring issues that need to be dealt with. But sometimes the best way to deal with those issues is say, in the future, how do I want us to handle it? Yeah. So that you're not ha- forcing the other person to defend, well, you made me do this and you, do, you know, like, or you were more wrong than I was. And like, ha- that's, that's the part that you mm-hmm. just need to let go of is trying to figure out who was more wrong mm-hmm. and work towards if we want to build this relationship together, moving forward, how do we do better? So 
Yeah, focusing on the goal that you want rather than who's blame, you know, who owns what part of the blame, but the goal together. Has that really um, made a difference in your marriage? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we're always going to um, have a job, <laughs> hard time communicating because we're just mm. like in such different worlds sometimes, but we definitely uh, can get past those uh, areas where we had a roadblock now with just, you know, not trying to say, well, you were more wrong than me. <laughs> Because, yes, uh, yes, you know, we and there's and once you you get past that, you can start see giving each other grace for like, oh, you're you're tired or, um, you know, like you had a long day and just all those different things. Like you realize, uh, because you know that the value of what you're working towards. Yeah, absolutely. I could just imagine, you know, I'm. Um, if I was in a relationship where someone responded to me like you responded to your husband, you know, I would just have looked at them and said, wow, wait, what? You really want me to tell you and give you details as to how I'm really feeling and you're going to listen and you're not going to say anything? You're really going to take notes and absorb? That would be such an incredible gift, I think. And what a gift to be able to give to each other. Um, I think in hopefully intrinsic in that is that the other person would want to do the same for you or would be willing or would be able to do that for you in different times. But I think what a gift that is in our very rushed world where we're so consumed with almost being right. You know, we don't want to give up that ground, but you really modeled and you got in there and said, I'm going to lay down whatever my right to be right. I just want to clearly hear where you're coming from. Yeah. And well, it's always hard in relationships and uh, to, to be the first person to, <laughs> to like mm. let your guard down or to be vulnerable or something like that. Uh, I remember the five love languages class when I took it uh, early, it was early when it was first came out or whatever, but I hadn't been married too, too long. And I remember taking it and thinking, I just wanted Brian to do all these things for me. And it was like, here's the way, you know, and it wasn't at all. Like I want to understand him more. It was, I want him to understand me more. And it was almost mm. like a tool to attack him with like, Hey, you know, my love language is words of affirmation. Why did you say that? Or stuff like that. And it, it's hard because, because we walk around with ourselves all day and we want ourselves to be loved and, you know, and we want to be understood but that everybody's feeling that and that's why it is so incredibly powerful to really really deeply listen to somebody Mm. yeah absolutely because that act can be an act really of transformation and encouraging that other person Um, how do you think we can apply this concept of getting off the hamster wheel listening deeply to where that other person's coming from without defensiveness, um, how can we apply that to our lives today in different areas? Like, how could I implement this this week? For instance, in parenting or with a a family member or with a friend? Well, 
with parenting, I feel like the older our children get, the more they need to be listened to. And I, I've heard people say this before, that it's almost like you listen to them more when they're young. And then the older they get, the more you're like, just do what I say. Mm. Um, and it really, um, really needs to be the opposite of that. Like the older they get, the more you need to just really deeply listen. And especially, I would say just if I could just make everybody get this one point, think about how different the world is that your kids are growing up in than what you're, what it was like for you. Like, mm. I have no idea what it would be like to be in elementary school with COVID-19 as a, like what that feels like. And, and the only way you can know as a parent, like what your child is going through is if you are deeply listening to them and like letting them express how hard it is, what they might be things they enjoy about it, things that they, whatever, like what is really going on with them and listen to understand not to give advice. Um, because the more you understand, the better your advice can be. Um, and you can speak into what's actually going on, um, in their lives, but you can't give good advice until you've really listened. So I would Mm. say that, um, with our whole country, uh, I feel like divisive politics is the worst thing happening in the world in our country right now because I say this all the time, but like our politicians are incredibly ineffective and all the things that we argue about and we say are the most important. I've seen us arguing about them for over a decade and nothing's changed. Like mm-hmm. um, the issues that are most near and dear to my heart, I have I've seen decades of people arguing about them but I have not seen things getting better. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think about it and I I write about it every year uh, when I go to Virginia Tech and see the monument for the school shooting that took place there. I remember my kids sitting there right after it happened that hit very close to home. And I, my kids were talking about it and I wanted to go throw up. It bothered me so bad. And nobody thinks that that's okay. Nobody wants school shootings to be happening. But all we, I do not see big, huge changes that have happened because we're arguing. And that's an issue where if we would sit down and, and respect the other side and say, hey, what are solutions that are going to, that we can all agree on? If our politicians were doing that, we would, you can find best case solutions, you know, you can find best practices that would actually make a difference if we would quit being so divisive. And we all want, deep down, we all want the same thing. And we're being held back from that by just pointing the finger, dehumanizing the other side, believing that all the people on whichever party that you don't agree with, that are they we think that they believe the most extreme things on their side mm-hmm. and they they've pulled i i shared this on my facebook site one time recently they did polls and they asked republicans what they believed 
And then they asked Democrats, what do you think Republicans believe? And then they did the same thing. They asked Democrats what they believed and they asked Republicans what they thought Democrats believed. And everybody was much, much closer to the middle than anybody gave the other side for. Everybody thinks that they're moderate and the people on the other side are extremists. And it's a flick across the board. And you know what would you know what would help us understand each other if we listened, if we mm-hmm. would be willing to listen to people we don't agree with, and rather than just already assuming we know what they're going to say. Um, so sorry, that's my luck. Yeah. So and listen for understanding. Like, what is it that you really believe? How did you get that way? Where did you get those beliefs? And um. I'll just, I have one more little story to share about that. But like, I'm around college students all the time. And um, like, there's a kid that I talk to a lot who I would say is as far as you could be from agreeing with me politically. And I sat down one night and he was just telling me like all this stuff that he believed in. And I was like, I just kept just asking him questions. And I was like, this kid's heart is so incredibly beautiful. And and I learned a lot from him and he knew so much and he had really thought through his positions on a lot of things. And I still didn't fully agree with him on everything. But I was like, wow, just the, the reason that he ch- was politically believed the things he did was so beautiful because it all came from compassion for other people and what he believed would make things better. And to me, that was so worth knowing. Um, so <laughs> anyway, I, I think that those kinds of discussions could go a long ways in making in bringing healing in our country and making our government more effective. Um, holding politicians accountable for doing the things that we as a nation, most of us really want to see happen. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And what about even in a family? You know, um, you know, you have kind of a funny saying about that. Um, Sometimes our our most difficult arguments are are close to home. You know, it's within our own family even. Um, so what if we're getting this constant sort of negativity even from people in our family? Can you kind of share the way that you look <laughs> at things when you're telling me that? So what the saying that I think you're referring to is that I say um, nobody flings shit at you unless they're standing in a pile of it themselves. <laughs> um, yeah, and, yeah. And I think with every situation and probably family is where it, it the shit hits us closest, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it's the more that you can understand that about people that people don't attack from a place of security. People attack others because they're insecure about something. And I, I've never seen a case where it wasn't, that wasn't true. You know, if somebody is yelling, they're, you know, calling you names or something, it's because um, they don't know how to, they they don't have any other defense, like they don't know how to argue with what you said. 
like they still just dis- they still want to disagree, but they don't know how <laughs> they like you t- you you hit something in them like a jealousy or insecurity or something like that, or there's fear. Like um, yeah. I think a lot of what people are doing now is their reactions are fear based. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of older Christians um, being very defensive about church. And it makes me sad because what they're defending is a culture um, that is changing quickly and they don't know where where their place in it is. Um, But that's completely different than Jesus. Mm. And and I just wish that they would listen more to the young people and not be so fearful about the changes, but, you know, be and see the heart. So I, um, but again, and I know it's both sides, but I just think older people have more of a responsibility to be the mature ones because that's because we're older. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. You, you know, know, like it's supposed to yeah. go together. Um and it, but I just feel like that's just the essence of it. Every every time we listen, the more we listen, the more we understand and see the other person the way God sees them. Mm. What does the Bible say about this? So there's two verses that always come to mind for me. Um, first, uh, it would be James chapter one, verse 19, um, that is the one that says, be slow to speak, which I don't like that part. (laughs) (laughs) Be be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And I love that it's in the book of James because the book of James is all about living out our faith that when you follow Jesus, it requires action that it's going to change you and you're going to be impacting the world around you. And right there in the beginning of it, he talks about that a necessary part of following Jesus and living it out in our world is being quick to listen and slow to speak Mm. and slow to become angry. And when you are really, really listening then when you when you do speak, it is going to be something that is more world changing and more honoring to God and what He's doing in the world. And and I do believe that it all goes together too, because the more you understand other people and where they're coming from, the the easier it is to not be angry with them and to have empathy with them even if you don't agree on everything. Um, and the other verse is, that I think about all the time is Ephesians 4.29. And I had to memorize this uh, when I was in youth group. And we were. it was funny because we were taught this verse as a um, to not ever say cuss words because I was a Southerner and Southerners cuss, Northerners swear. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the, the verse is, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And, 
you probably picked up on that the older I got, the more I swore. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I feel like that what that verse is really talking about, um, unwholesome talk, it's easy to say, oh, well, don't say swear words. And we can have a debate on that later if you want. <laughs> but the more important thing is the subject matter. Like, what are you talking about? Like, are you building people up? Are you saying things that are bringing people down, being disrespectful of them and those kinds of things? Um And the part, the big part, though, that shows that you have to listen is according to their needs. Mm. And you can't possibly know what somebody's needs are just by, you know, hey, oh, I could I can see you. I know like you have to listen. You don't just show up and know what people's needs are. That's that's from really listening and knowing. Um, and that benefiting the people who listen. So if you're going to have wise speech and mm-hmm. live out all these things that Jesus uh, told us to, it's going to come from a place of really listening to people. And I think that that's just, it's, it's actually really exciting and incredibly hopeful for change in our country right now. And I loved, I was, you know, I'm like obsessed with, I can't just say a Bible verse. I have to like, you need to read the whole context. And I would mm. say it, I was like in tears when I was looking at this in Ephesians and James, like what they're talking about and the beautiful picture for what, what uh, James and Paul were writing about is what the church should be. Like, you know, when you were talking about like how beautiful it would be for uh, somebody to really listen to you like that. What Mm -hmm. if your church was known for that? Like when you went in and you were having a problem that there were people who the first thing they were going to do was be, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Help me see, help me understand what you're going through. And, um, you know, I, we've shared those stories before about how I like quit being a church grieger because somebody, when I was going through a hard time, told me to just have faith, and I told them to shut the f up. I do have faith, um, <laughs> you know, and like, and then I turned around, was like, I probably shouldn't be a church grieger right now. <laughs> but um, and I shared that story before, but I was like, it's it is incredibly hurtful and dismissive when you have a really heartbreaking struggle and somebody looks at you and it's like, Oh, the solution's simple. Mm -hmm. But what a gift when somebody sees that you're having a hard time and they're saying like, tell me more, tell me how that feels for you. Like I can't, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in a community where that was the norm rather than just dismissing my pain with a simple, solution or some you know little pat saying to sit and and feel it with me for a minute to understand it and then if you have some advice to give I would know it came from a place of deep understanding and empathy not a dismissive your pain makes me uncomfortable um yeah for sure 
which was not something I intended to talk about at all. But that's a that's a bonus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you even talk about um, with me before that when we understand how much God loves and accepts us, that really turns everything on its head because it's so different than what we've been taught or maybe how other people have treated us and. Yeah, I remember just sitting on the couch with my dad one time, just telling him something that had really deeply hurt me. And I would, I, most of the time, I never really even voiced how much it hurt me. Uh, this was a very long time ago. And, you know, in true, I'm going to say Chuck Zaddy fashion, um, there was just a profound silence, a profound quietness. And he just looked at me and said, you know, I, I thank you for sharing that. I never, I never knew that you had gone through that. And I, he just, you know, again, you can't make this stuff up. He just said, you're, you have never been more beautiful than you are right now. I mean, just the tears rolling down my face. Just I was in probably Aww. these blue pajamas, and but that it, when I think of listening, I do think of my dad and that kind of role model that I've been able to have. And of course, we look at Jesus because I mean, think of all the things that people were talking to him about all day long. He must not have been able to get away from people talking to him, but yet every person felt listened to. Um, but that was just one example of my dad just just holding that that pain and like you said not trying to talk and push away what I had gone through you know kind of the word salad of like okay you know hey that I have to go I can't you know I can't be here with you but he really listened and I, I want to strive to do that for me and my daughters and so but you're just saying I mean what role does it play in our lives when we understand how much God accepts us I think to me, I can't fully listen to people without judgment or um, or a defensiveness of myself if I don't mm. understand how much God loves me. Or yeah. maybe I should say, like, the more I grow in understanding, the better I get at, uh, at being yes. able to fully listen to people. Because, like, you know, I said that thing about um, that you don't throw, sh- uh, that when people throw shit at you, it's because they're standing in a pile of it. Well, if we want to get yes. rid of our own stuff, then it comes from from ha- our security being and how much God loves us. And mm. the more secure we are, the less we need to defend ourselves. And the mm. more it's okay to be uncomfortable with somebody else's pain. Mm. And... And I, I thought about this a lot. I, I, a friend of mine, um, her child died mm-hmm. and it was, it was tragic and it was incredibly hard. Um, and I, I was really, I really surprised by some people's reactions to her daughter's death. And one thing several people that told me things like that they couldn't go to the funeral because it hurt them too much. There was too much fear for them to see a child that died because they had their own children. Mm. And, and I get that. And I, I'm not trying to, to, to 
to be like too hard on people for that. I was just surprised. And it really made me think about that a lot of people were afraid to reach out to my friend because of the fear of it happening to them. Like they didn't want to think about it, Mm. you know, and, and it was, there's something in us when we see other people's pain that there's a part of us that just reacts with this fear, like divorce, whatever it is that that person's going through. We just want to be like, that can't happen to me. Right. And the problem is, is when we, we feel like that can't happen to me, we make religious excuses that isolate that person in their pain, but they also hurt us because we are going to experience pain and we are going to have bad things that happen to us and make other people uncomfortable. And if we think that denying it and walk, you know, ignoring it somehow helps or that's the appropriate way to, to shield ourselves from that fear, we miss out on the connection with each other. We also miss out on God's heart for this world when we are suffering. And, and I just really believe the more that we know him, the more we can walk through other people's pain with them. And it's, it's a beautiful honor that every time somebody shares their pain with me, um, it's not easy. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's just, it's so incredible. And I think it helps to understand that people push us away from because of their own fear, but it also helps us confront it in ourselves that none of that is from God. Uh, And he never promised, you know, like any of these horrible things, he never promised that he would free us from, from life. He said he would give us fullness and walk with us through all of those problems whatever comes our way. Um, And then we get to comfort other people with the comfort he gave us. And so um, all of that goes back to deeply listening to people and, and we don't have to have the answer to fix anything. We just get to be there and, and kind of just listen and understand Cause that, cause fixing anything is that's God's job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that could be a whole. That's that's a whole other podcast about that whole yeah. fixing thing. But, but you know, like I a, think that's really yeah. But it does come from like understanding your value and yes. understanding God, and it is just the more we grow, the closer you know. And I certainly don't live it out perfectly. Um, mm. And just follow me around, <laughs> look at my Facebook page or whatever. <laughs> like I start, like I, I fail in it all the time, but I think I'm getting better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the more that we, we know our value and how much God accepts us, it can free us from that, almost that paralysis of feeling like we have to defend ourselves because everything is at stake. No, God is the one who's freed us from that kind of mindset so that that frees us to listen to the other person, um, you know, with more um, 
hope and to listen to them, to build them up, to, to listen to them with encouragement. And that's something that you know, I didn't really think about in that way, really, until this conversation. I think that that is a big block that can hold us back from even listening or having these conversations because we don't want to feel wrong. We don't want to feel, you know, maybe there's even some shame associated with it, or we, we want that other person to hear us so much. But what happens when we lay that down? Um, and really listen to where that other person's coming from. And they can transform relationships. We can get off the hamster wheel. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice, you know? Um, it's back to school time. It's for some people. For some people, it's distance learning. Um, it's a new new month. There's a lot of changes going on in September. And there's always that, that hope that, you know, we're starting this new, you know, academic calendar. In some ways, it seems like September is almost the beginning of the year in some ways, because we've been so programmed. And, and so how can we, we have, I love what you said, how can we talk to our, our kids? How can we and really listen and say, well, what is it like for you right now? And, um, and, and bring that kind of encouragement and listening into that relationship. That's awesome, Cindy. <laughs> Thank you. That's so great. Well, we want to hear from you as well. You know, we, we kind of shared an extended hold my iced coffee sip and we hope you've really, you know, been drinking deeply from that, you know, dark roast. Um, if you, we want to hear from you. If you're trying this in your relationships, let's say with a spouse, with a, a family member, even a coworker, you want to get off that hamster wheel. You've been thinking about what we've said. You're, you're, if you're applying this, we want you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you um, and we'll be here to hold your iced coffee. We can't wait for you to join us again. So awesome. Well, thank you 